1: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, February the 4th, 2024. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on X at Talking Mets, no G, and on your favorite podcasting service, Spotify, Apple, whatever you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, Talking Mets no G, Mike Silvat, Talking And don't forget the newsletter. Substack.com slash at talk no g. And of course I want to thank the good folks from the fan sided podcasting network for supporting this show. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Yes, we are in that week where you could smell spring training. You could smell the baseball season. The Super Bowl is just a week away. I mean, I think Radio Row and the two weeks between the NFL championship game and And the Super Bowl is like the most awful sports time of the year. I mean, Radio Row, some of the, I mean, I don't know if, I don't listen to regular talk radio, so I couldn't tell you. But I don't know if they still do like that week where they just have people coming on and disguising interviews with just basically commercials and promotions. And it was kind of cool back in the day when it first came out, Radio Row. And then it just became one big commercial. And I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't you know, listen to any of this stuff anymore. It was like from morning, noon, and night, all you had was the same conversation, the same individuals coming on promoting the same stuff. So with the Super Bowl just a week away, yes, we are talking baseball here at the Talking Mets podcast. There'll be pitchers and catchers before you know it. And the Mets make a little bit of a splash. A quiet offseason had a little bit of juice. Not the kind of juice you really want, but rounding out the roster juice. David Stearns promised to be opportunistic, he was, signing a couple of bullpen arms, Jake Diekman and Shintaro Fujinami. Maybe Fujinami's not Yamamoto, it's not the Japanese counterpart to Kodai Singa that we wanted, but it is an interesting signing, both are interesting signings, and that's really where we're going to go in with this podcast today, with this program. We're going to be talking about the bullpen, because the bullpen might be one of the more fascinating conversations that we have all spring. Now, granted, as we get closer to pitchers and catchers and it was set up the spring training and players to watch and positional battles, yeah, you have third base. You know, Can Mark Vientos be the full-time DH? You really want to see what Sean Manai and Luis uh, Severino have left. That's going to be something interesting. You know, Maybe Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, Adrian Hauser have some kind of fifth spot positional battle. They kind of pl- play into the bullpen a little bit so we'll get into them somewhat. Uh, your positions are pretty much set. You know, Maybe there'll be a couple of bench jockeying going on with certain players, but I think the bullpen will be one of the most interesting conversations we have this spring, and, and if this team is going to be competitive and if the Mets are going to be in that wild-card muck and win and get into a wild-card spot, bullpen's going to be a big part of it because you don't have, like you had in 2022 when they had that 100-win team, you don't have guys, even guys like Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco, were able to go sometimes seven innings and really give the Mets only three outs to Diaz. I think this group is going to require more like six to eight, maybe nine outs to Diaz this year, and that's going to require some really good bullpen management by Carlos Mendoza. It's going to require the bullpen to step up. It's going to be more than just the eighth inning and Adam adevino if that's still... His inning as it was in 2022, you know, I'm sure as you saw last year with how they deployed David Robertson going into the highest leverage situation, whether it be the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the ninth inning, I think you'll see a little bit of that with Diaz. That'll probably be a conversation that Carlos Mendoza uh, will have at some point. That's a question that reporters should ask at some point in spring training. So, you know, when you start to look at the Mets bullpen, now that they added Diekmann now that they added uh, Fujinami, now that they added Adam Adovino, I was surprised a little bit about Adovino coming back. I almost felt he was getting ready for a broadcasting career because he was doing the rounds on the MLB Network and uh, SNY and what have you. And was somewhat critical to the Mets and seemed to be uh, questioning the direction of the team and was a little disappointed that his option wasn't picked up or he possibly wasn't given an extension. But, you know, New York guy, local guy, you know, knows the team, knows the city. Uh, has you know, and like you know, when you go up and down this bullpen, even the guys that have options like a Cole Sulser, you know, guys like that, they all seem to have an elite pitch. You know, Adavino with the sweeper, and Sulser has a changeup, and you know, Lopez with his big time stuff. And Fujinami has a splitter. Even though he throws 100 miles an hour, he has a splitter. Austin Adams has a wipeout slider. You know, we talked about this earlier in the offseason. I wrote about it over at Talkie Mets Beyond the Mic newsletter. And, you know, when you start to look at where the Mets have been, you know, they were very fortunate in 2022, we talked about this, that they were able to navigate that season at such a high level with the type of bullpen they have. Because let's face it, yeah, Drew Smith was okay, and he's still on the team. But you know, here's a guy that has great stuff, and we'll get to that in a minute because the Mets bullpen is filled with guys with good stuff. And I it was interesting, you know, our, our friends over at Mets Fix turned me on to a new metric that I think is pretty cool called Stuff Plus. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, you had uh, you know Drew Smith and Michael Givens and Joely Rodriguez at times produce some you know decent outings in in certain situations, but really that bullpen was out of vino and. And Diaz, for the most part. And they were able to get away with that. You know, a little bit of David Peterson there at times and what have you. But that's what that bullpen was about. And, you know, they were able to get away with that because they had starters like Max Scherzer, even DeGrom when he came back. And Bastet was a consistent seven inning guy that could get you deep in the ball game and get you 21 outs. And I don't know, even their ace, or if you want to say they have an ace, that'd be Kodai Senga. I don't know if guys like Quintana or Manaya or Severino. Or Senga can get you 21 outs in a ballgame. I don't know if they're, uh, you know, especially earlier in the year, I can see them not. I think they're more 15, you know, to maybe 17 outs per ball game. You know, maybe they get you through six and get you 18 outs, which is, again, going to require uh, at least six outs to Diaz, nine to 12 bullpen outs. If Diaz is available, you feel good that you got at least three taken care of, no problem. And then it's about the bridge to Diaz and what that looks like. But, You know, if you were to look at the bullpen today, now that Diekman, assuming he passes his physical and uh, Fujinami, both of these have been reported as done, but there are uh, no official signings. So the Mets are going to have to make a roster move. They're going to have to dump a couple of guys off the 40-man roster to get these uh, two individuals on. It'll be interesting uh, who they are and, and how that plays out. I have some theories. You know, we'll get into that. But, you know, if you look at the bullpen today, Uh, you really might not have any positional battles if everybody plays to form. And more importantly, and this is what we'll talk about, you may have some hard decisions. You may lose some guys later in spring training when you uh, have to pass them through waivers because they don't have options later on. So it'll be really interesting. And you also have, in the starting rotation, because you don't have any bullpen slots really available if everything falls into place, you may have guys like Joey Lucchese and Tyler McGill if they don't make the rotation. And I don't know if they will, looking at it right now, who may have to start the season in the Syracuse rotation and be depth, even at this point in their career. So it is very interesting, in a good way, where the Mets stand. Now, I know a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's the old quantity over quality. You could have a lot of okay, but it wouldn't have been better to have Chapman and Robertson and spend the $20 million for an elite bridge to Diaz rather than all this quantity. And that's a fair point, something I advocated for, something that you'd like to have both, really, in a lot of ways. But I think when you are in the situation the Mets are in, where their payroll's at, when they start to look at the expense as they go over the luxury tax, that dollar for dollar, it's about 100% tax on these players— I think Stearns is looking at investing that kind of capital into other areas of the ball club uh, as the season, uh, you know, we get a little bit deeper into the season. And especially as we've talked about numerous times, probably to the point where you're sick about hearing it, having a team that they're still learning a little bit about what they have, you know, being unsure about some of the baby Mets, being unsure, uh, you know, about how, you know, these return to form starters you know, are going to play out. You know, there may be a need for another starter, more than likely. There'll probably be a need, maybe, if an elite bullpen arm makes their, uh, uh, becomes available and maybe some of these guys don't live up to expectations. You know, who knows if an outfielder becomes available, if the Mets, you know, if Marte's not cutting the mustard, do they want to, you know, cut ties with him a la Cano and, and bring somebody in? So those are questions for later on after we get to know what the 2024 Mets are about. But today, on February 4th, uh, a couple of weeks before... Pitchers and catchers. If you look at the Mets bullpen, and you know, and I'm not going to put the hierarchy in any particular order other than Diaz. You know, you know Diaz is the closer, and I'm assuming right now that the Mets are going to go with 13 pitchers. They're going to go with 35 starters and eight relievers because you know that's just kind of what teams all do now. But you've got Diaz, you've got Aravino, Rayleigh, Drew Smith, and Phil Beckford. Those are all the guys, the hold the holdovers from last year. So right now you've got five holdovers that have big league, uh, you know, 40-man roster spots, big league contracts already. And then you brought in Jorge Lopez on a big league deal. Jake Diekman just signed the big league deal. Shintaro Fujinami just signed the big league deal. So that's eight. So you pretty much have your bullpen filled out, and you have not even gotten into the McGills, the Butos, the Joey Lucchesis, you know, and Austin Adams. You know, we talked about him with this wipeout slider. You know, he has no options. You know, would he make it through waivers? You sign Michael Tonkin as maybe that... Guy that you could just throw out, rubber arm up, down by a lot of runs, he has no options. Johan Ramirez, interestingly enough, another guy with great stuff, according to the metrics. Guy pitched okay with the Pirates, he has no options. Sean Reed Foley, he has no options. And you haven't even got to some of the guys who are, you know, minor leaguers like a Cole Sulcer or Kyle Creek, another interesting arm. So you know, the Mets are going to have depth, and, you know, the guys who are the minor league invitees, they're going to be in, in Syracuse. I can't see, even with the lights out spring, any of these guys pushing any of the names I gave you. Now, Fujinami, you know, for all his 100 mile an hour fastball and crazy splitter and all these, you know, scouts that go gaga for a guy that walks the ballpark, I mean, he was awful as a starter. I mean, he pitched actually well against the Mets last year. Figures, right? He had two really good bullpen outings when he was in Baltimore right after the trade deadline when that team was in a daze and they went into Camden Yards and they got their clock cleaned and Fujinami came out of the bullpen and blew them away. He actually had a good start against them. It was that extra inning win where Pete hit the game-tying home run with the bomb in the ninth inning that I think is still traveling there in Oakland. Uh, Fujinami actually uh, had a nice start, six innings, I think two or three runs against the Mets back in April. So the Mets saw him a lot last year. I'm not suggesting that's why Stern signed him. Uh, but, you know, if you watch those games, you saw the best of uh, Fujinami and, uh, you know, certainly an interesting arm and he's got options. So the way I see it right now, unless they're looking to if Bickford is maybe terrible in spring training uh, and, and let's say Fujinami just shows that he needs a little tweaking or he's not good. You know, maybe you could start him out in AAA. Uh, I don't think you gave him over three million dollars, even with the option. You know, he's a Boris client. I don't think you did that to send him to Syracuse for very long. You know, that's one thing, you know, Bickford, you know, not going to cost you a lot to dump him later in spring training if he's not pitching well. But the question is, you know, really, you know, who would be in his place? You know, you'd have to see an Austin Adams who's been injured at times be lights out in spring training and a Johan Ramirez who is promising, but has never been consistent be lights out in spring training. I think the bigger question here is, is assuming that your rotation Stays injury free, and you look at the Mets rotation right now. You know you're going to have a couple of decent arms who may have been able to. And, and this is where you know do you go with six starters? You know who is optionable? Is Fujinami, Fujinami someone because he has options that you'll be willing to at times shoot up and down if you need that extra starter? This is where this gets interesting because you got Senga, Quintana, Severino, Manai, and Hauser. You would think those are the five. Those are your five starters. And then Lucchese and McGill are 6-7. and And then you haven't even gotten to Peterson. He's not coming back till let's say, July around the All-Star break. So you're going to have some decent arms, back into the rotation arms, coming out of Syracuse and not getting a lot of opportunities. And then the real question is, if you look at this bullpen, I mean, the only guy out of this bullpen right now that has any option ability is Fujinami. I mean, really, Adovine you can't, Rayleigh you can't, Drew Smith you can't. Diekman, you can't. You're not going to Jorge Lopez. You can't, and and that's what's interesting because if you remember, one of the criticisms of Billy Eppel last year is that he jumped at mediocre pictures, pictures like a uh, uh, Jeff Brigham, because he liked the optionability, the up and the down, which is something that is part of the fabric of baseball right now. Because you know you want to, you get through a long weekend where the starters got bombed, or you had a lot of you know you don't really have a lot of long extra innings anymore. Because of the ghost runner. But, you know, you had a, a, a weekend where you had to use the bullpen a lot. Maybe there was a doubleheader. I don't know. And usually that's a time where somebody, even if they pitch well, gets optioned. I and mean, the only guy I can think of is Fujinami. Now, I think you can only do them five times in a season right now. So there is some limitation to that. But I could see to a certain degree the reason they signed him is that he is optionable. So you could see him getting pushed down if they need to go to a Lucchesi. Uh, If they need to go to a McGill and those guys actually believe it or not Lucchese and McGill have options and Lucchese actually with his service time being that he spent a good chunk of last year in uh, in the minor leagues is actually not a free agent until after next year. So you have some control there. So you actually have some really interesting and good depth with this ball club right now. And it's exciting. Now, when you start to talk about, well, you know, I liked Mike's idea earlier in the offseason, go for a Super bullpen, sign a couple of closers. You know, Diaz is not always going to get the ninth inning. Everybody's going to get, you know, some kind of opportunity to, you know, get a save. And I'm not sure if Robertson or Chapman were interested in coming to the Mets. Forget about the price at this point. You know, at their point in their career, they only have so many earning years left. I know Robertson didn't like being traded um, you know, mid-season, maybe so the Mets as more of a, a risk where potentially he could get traded again. Totally understandable at that point. So the Mets went for guys that either have potential and haven't realized it, inconsistencies. You know, I wouldn't call all of them scrap heap, but there are no short things. But there's one thing, and if you don't subscribe to the Mets Fix with our friend Jeffrey Ballone, JB, you're missing out. Because this is why you subscribe to something like Metsfix, because you, you get some interesting, and this is what we've been talking about all offseason. It's not just about going to baseball reference and looking at the strikeout rate and the walk rate and the ERA plus. I mean, those are the easy, obvious top, you know, front stuff that you'll look at. But it's about the back end, what are they looking at in terms of their repertoire and how these guys can fit into the bullpen? You know, Stearns talks about arm angle and getting different looks throughout a ball game, especially if you're coming from five innings with a starter and then six, seven, eight into Diaz in the ninth, getting different looks, pitchers with different elite pitches, you know, slider, splitter, throwing hard, throwing from this angle, so on and so forth, that's going to change the eye level of the the batter. It's going to make it a lot harder for them to adjust. Now, one of the knocks of last year's Mets was that they didn't have anybody who threw 100 miles an hour, which is something that we didn't even talk about throughout the season. And a lot of that is, look, no more DeGrom, Scherzer doesn't throw hard like he used to, Diaz out for the year. So, off the bat, you see that. I mean, Bastid I don't think, was a hard thrower, really. You know, I think the prior year, the reason that wasn't much of an issue was because you had Diaz, you had DeGrom, you had guys like that. You know, you know McGill was throwing 100 miles an hour before he got hurt. So, you had, you know, th- that wasn't talked about. But it wasn't like the Mets staff, especially their bullpen, which was really out of vino and Diaz, was filled with these, you know, hard-throwing players, these hard-throwing pitchers. You know, and and really under Epler, the bullpen outside of Adevino and Diaz, and maybe throw Drew Smith a little bit in there, and okay, Rayleigh for a short period because he was only there one out of two years of Epler. It was a lot of these promising, optionable arms that, quite honestly, never worked out. You know, maybe they had an Adonis Medina flash in the pan, get that great save on the road that Sunday against the Dodgers. You know, you'll get those moments there, you know, great, uh, you know, but. By and large, though you know those were few and far between. There were guys that were here; they were here for a couple of weeks, and they were gone. And it was on to the next. And 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 you want some more stability there. And I think the Mets have found it. But Mets uh, fix wrote about uh, late last week how the Mets bullpen actually now has a bunch of players with the lead stuff. And Jake Diekman and Diaz are two. You know, it's a. a and I'll give you how they know this who have some of the best stuff in all of baseball. So you have two of the top pitchers in baseball with the best stuff out there. Now, Diaz, we all know he has elite stuff. You don't need a metric called Stuff Plus to, to ascertain that. Now, you're probably sitting here saying, what's Stuff Plus and what the hell do I want to you know talk about that? Now, I'm not going to get deep into the math here and the standard distribution and all that stuff, but basically Stuff Plus is the way for all these smart folks in the lab to create a metric that uses the movement of each pitch to de- to basically ascertain how nasty a pitch is. And Stuff Plus brings all that repertoire together to say, well, how nasty are these pitches? Like, who are these? You can't just go by ERA and, and all the... I mean, those are outcomes, and more than likely, if you have good stuff, you're going to have good outcomes. But like I wrote about over at Talking Mets Beyond the Mic... Sometimes, you know, utilization, you know, hierarchy in the bullpen, there are a lot of factors. You know, you sometimes guys have to, with certain teams, because of the situation they're in, pitch a lot more than they should because, you know, they have to go to the bullpen four out of five days. There's a lot of th- reasons why a pitcher could struggle, even with good stuff. I'm just giving you some things to think about. But basically, Stuff Plus takes the velocity, the break, the horizontal break, the spin rate, the release points, the extension, the difference in velocity from you know the fastball into the breaking pitches and the vertical break and, and all that stuff, and then puts it into one metric. And when you look at the Mets, Diaz, Diekman, Drew Smith, Johan Ramirez, Jorge Lopez, Sean Reed Foley, Reed Garrett, Austin Adams, Brooks Raley, Phil Bickford, all significantly above average, 5 to 15% above average in terms of stuff. Now, one of the things this bullpen will have an issue with is is, is location and command, because you can see that from the same location plus metric that takes that particular situation and says, okay, how's their location? You know, they struggle with that. You know, you got a lot of guys who can have four or five, you know, walks per nine innings. So the real question is, will putting them in a position to be successful, working on their repertoire, with Hefner as the pitching coach, whatever they can get out of the pitching lab. We talked about this with our friend Ernie Dove last week about what the pitching lab is and isn't. You know, to help work on their lower halves or their mechanics or whatever that tool can do. If if these guys are using it, I'm sure they are. I'm wondering if that's more for the minor leaguers, but you know, whatever that tool could do to help maybe these guys get their mechanics cleaned up to be more consistent with their delivery and hence throw more, uh, more strikes would be helpful. Um, but I think you're in for a summer where. Uh, some of these Mets relievers have electric stuff and i think they're gonna really ha- make for some fun uh you know for some h- fun highlights but i do think you're gonna be sweating out some games with some walks i mean I could easily see this team driving you bananas where these guys will come in walk a batter strike out a couple of hitters walk another batter strike out a hitter you know and 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 really get those sweaty situations you know and, and Hopefully that used to be Diaz, you know, and he cleaned that up a lot before he got injured in 2022, you know, so really the the sweatiness might be in the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings depending on when, you know, Diaz comes in. But um, I think it's really interesting how they put together this bullpen and this bullpen and the names, some of the names that are on the outside looking in, like a Reed Foley, a Reed Garrett, assuming that neither one of these guys gets designated for assignment because you do have to designate two men off the 40 man to make room for Fujinami and Diekman. And I'm assuming Zach Short, the utility infielder, would be one. That seems like an obvious one. But you're going to have to knock somebody else off, uh, you know, and that'll be interesting to see who that is. You know, is it a Max Kranich who they just signed? Because, you know, at this time, you know, just like they did with Tyler Heineman, the catcher that they designated uh, earlier in the week when they signed out of it's more likely that if you really want to keep someone, you keep them going into spring training because as you get to the end of spring training, people settle their rosters, be a little bit tougher for these guys to make it through waivers. You know, teams are kind of set. Now, you know, if the guy has some talent and you dump him, you know, it's likely he gets claimed, you know, maybe you just trade him and you get some cash considerations to pay for whatever the, you know, transaction, you know, that was done and the, the cost of the transaction, you get some of that money back. You know, that's kind of where they're at with all this. So, um... You know, I think we've criticized Stearns a lot this offseason because this has not been a sexy offseason. You know, it's not been a one signing one Soto offseason. It hasn't been a signing um, or, you know, trading Juan Soto offseason. Off you know, signing Yamamoto didn't happen. That was the most excitement that happened in the hot still of all offseason. It's been a very methodical, secondary, tertiary roster building. You know, a couple of trades here and there. You know, nothing that really got anybody excited. And, you know, the criticism has been he's bringing Milwaukee to the Mets. And look, we talked about this a lot, too. This is what this team needed. You didn't like the way they built the bullpen last year. Epler jumped on some optionable relievers by making a trade for Brigham and Eliza Hernandez. Hernandez never saw the light of day with the Mets. Brigham had some potential, was up and down, and, you know, was not very good for the most part. So now the Mets are trying to. Bringing guys who, you know, again, might have some kerosene on the fire to them. I still don't like the amount of walks that come out of all these guys. But that's baseball in 2024. And, you know, as far as really Diekman, you know, Diekman is a guy when you start to. And this is why I'm here and Stearns is where he is. Because, you know, as I'm doing my, you know, fun talk radio roster building with you playing GM, you know, and talking about guys like Aroldis Chapman. You know, Diekman really fares out from a standpoint of what the scouts believe, You know, especially since he went to Tampa and was getting lit up in Chicago and went to Tampa and made some adjustments. He stands out as one of the better relievers in baseball and stuff and peripherals out there. And I could see a situation where we're talking about maybe Adevino or Jorge Lopez setting up Diaz. It might be Diekman. And also, you know, you could see a situation where maybe Diekman takes – Some saves from Diaz when Diaz needs a blow. I mean, the real thing here and the real interesting part, and like I said earlier, it's something that they'll have to speak to Carlos Mendoza about. We saw Buck, an old school manager, start to deploy it. He didn't so much in 2022. He was pretty standard ninth inning with Diaz. A couple of times he brought him in when he really needed him in the eighth inning. Uh, I think one time, particularly in L.A., that's that extra inning game that we talked about, you know. Um, but where they go with these pitchers, I think, will be based on leverage. So if you're up by a run and the middle of the order is coming up and it's the 8th inning, I think you're going to see Diaz. Or maybe even the 7th inning you might see Diaz. Because you might say to yourself, you know, if if you know 2, 3, and 4... Of the Dodgers' order is coming up, and it's the eighth inning. You're going to bring Diaz in. That's your best shot at navigating and winning that one-run ball game. Uh, not to say that the bottom of that order is any easier, but you, you're doing that probabilistic situation. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, that will also affect Diaz's stats in terms of saves. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that go into play. How does that affect the player? Does the player get bothered by that? Diaz has got a contract, so it's really not a big deal. He's been paid as a closer. He's not going anywhere. He's making $20 million a year. He's secure. You know, he got his contract. You know, maybe that was something that played into, and you know, we really didn't talk about it that season, why he was pretty much used traditionally during the 2022 season, you know, other than a few instances. So, um, you know, really this show, not a long show, a shorter show, really is meant to set us up for spring training and get us excited and i think it's easy to as we round out the offseason be disappointed and we've again i'm i'm pretty much reiterating a lot of points that you guys have heard especially if you're loyal listeners over and over but you know i, I think it's important it's easy to get disappointed because they didn't get yamamoto it's easy to get disappointed because they didn't make a splash but when you start to look the little incremental moves especially what he's done with the bullpen you have to like the kind of thinking that Stearns has, he is being opportunistic. He is trying to go after more than the obvious player. You know, it's like if door number one or door number two doesn't present itself, you know, these are like door number three or door number four type players that you never would be thinking about that here you are a couple of weeks before spring training. They're running out of time to get a home. And, you know, the the money plays into it. But these are quality arms for the kind of money. I mean, you get someone like Deekman for $4 million. You know, Granted, you know, has had injury problems and you know hasn't had this long resume of success like a Robertson or Chapman. But certainly, when you look at him, if he produces anywhere near what he did in Tampa, uh, you know, you just got yourself gold. Ultimately, Stern's got to figure out how to do what the Rays do because the Rays, there is, is there a team better than the Rays taking relievers, putting them in whatever brew they got over there and churning them out. And at least for them for a year or two, really... You know, look at even Fernando Rodney went there and was dominant as a close. You know the guy with the arrow shooting in the air? He was annoying. I mean, you know, guys that were completely on the scrap heap. Completely. They come out there and they churn and they're like, wow, look at this. I mean, this Deepman's career was coming to an end. He was done, you know? So uh, can the Mets get to that point? We'll see. And, and the exciting part is is We've talked about, you know, some names like a, a Nathan Vineyard and a Gervais, and I'm sure there's other uh, uh, names down in the minors that we're going to talk about as the year goes on. We haven't even got into those names yet. I mean, when you look at all the options with veterans on minor league deals, and you know, fifth and you know, sixth and seventh starters like Lucchese and potentially McGill, uh, there's not enough seats for the amount of players that they have right now. And that is a good situation to be pitching-wise. Now, you could say the one thing they're missing when you look at the bullpen and the starting rotation is you, you don't have an ace, a guaranteed ace. You don't have the vintage DeGrom Scherzer at the top of the rotation. And you don't, in the bridge to Diaz, you have the elite closer, so you have that covered. But in the bridge to Diaz, you don't have guarantees of elite setup guys out of this group. But possibly, this could be a bullpen that you know, looks a lot like a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen where you scratch your head and you're like, how do they get all these guys out? I mean, just go. Look at any random Rays season from the last five or six years and just look at the names that pop up of success. And they don't have the money to put the, the one of the highest paid closers in the game like the Mets do. So the Mets have... It's like a basketball team. Look, I look at the bullpen like a basketball team. They have their star. They have their centerpiece. They got that cover with Diaz. Now they're trying to build... Role players and component players around him. That's kind of what Stearns did. He had his star. He knew he had the ninth inning locked. So if I could get five, just let's just do math real quick to wrap up here. If I have just this five innings, I got my quality 15 outs. I think most of the time with the Mets starters right now, you could get a quality 15 outs. You could argue maybe 18 outs. So let's say 15 to 18 outs covered. Out number You know, ninth inning, just for argument's sake, because we don't know what Diaz, but Diaz, those three outs are covered. So you have about 18 to 21 outs covered at a high level, at a level where you feel comfortable with. Now the question is, what's left? Can they get you six more outs? It's just counting math. Nothing more complicated than that. It's counting math. So, you know, that's where we're at. So what's next? So we're not taking off for the Super Bowl. We're gonna have a really, really fun segment next week. It's not a I'm not gonna give it away. I want it to be a surprise, but it's something new I'm gonna try. Um, I will tell you our friend Anthony Rivera Subway de Shea is gonna be joining me next week. And he's gonna be helping me out with this. So be aware. That's always a fun duo, me and Anthony together. It's been a while since he's been on the program. But we're gonna try something new. It's a little bit out of the box, but hey, it's Super Bowl weekend. I still want to come to you. I don't want to take a week off. I feel like because we took New Year's Day off or New Year's Week is where the holidays landed. I jipped you out of one show already this year. I don't want to jip you out of two. I don't like doing that. I know that you know you have Beyond the Mic for those who are subscribers and, and you can always interact with me there and that's cool. But you know the, the vast majority of the audience is here on the show, come here for the show. So I'm not going to take away Super Bowl weekend from you. But I think it's going to come out Probably a little earlier than the Super Bowl. I'm not going to launch it on Sunday night in the middle of the Super Bowl. It'll probably be earlier in the weekend. Something for you to chew on that weekend between pitchers and catchers and the end of the football season. And, you know, now we'll see. We'll see if you enjoy it. So I hope you do. Brutal honesty feedback if you don't like it. Um, But it's something a little different. I've never done it before. That'll be another hint. So stay tuned for that. But uh, I appreciate all of you tuning in for this latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. And, uh, you know, I could smell the spring, right? I could could hear the pop of the glove. Before you know it, we're going to be, I mean, look, it's less than, what, 21 days until the first spring training game? It was February 25th. Mets play their first spring training game. So there will be a physical baseball game in the coming weeks. Even though it's cold and where some of you may be, there's still probably some snow and ice on the ground. I mean, that's the thing. Please, no snow. We, had, we, we dodged another uh, winter without very much snow. Very, pretty much no snow here in the New York area. Give me every winter like that. So anyway. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on X at Talking Mets, no G, And of course, you can get me on your favorite podcasting service, Apple, Spotify, whatever you desire. Want to interact with me personally? Mike Silvat, at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike silvat TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me at the newsletter, Substack.com slash at G. And I want to thank the good folks of the fan podcasting network for hosting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another fun news segment next week. Stay tuned. Till then, take care of it.